Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being with us on this nice, crisp night. Thank you for tuning in to our live stream program. We invite you to stand if you're in the sanctuary. Let's make a joyful noise. And if you're home, you sing with us as well. Brother Ken, you come lead us now. Amen. Tonight we'll do Victory in Jesus. We'll do the first and last verse. That's Victory in Jesus tonight. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning remain standing for prayer tonight as always if you're listening to us via live stream we invite you to put your prayer requests in our chat feature and i need to give you several requests continue to pray for sister kim ferguson she had hip surgery yesterday but she is at home so we praise the lord for that of course we're continuing to pray for chelsea uh, looking for a donor for her then uh, pray for sister patsy she goes a week from tomorrow uh, a week from today rather december the 9th patsy gunner for renal surgery uh, please pray for brother eddie gunner he is with a kidney stone tonight uh, so lift him up in prayer if you would and then we put out on our call system about sister peggy crabtree uh, I'm not sure everyone understood what I'd put out, so let me quickly clarify. Peggy uh, was visiting her daughter, who, of course, most of you know, Angel, who lives in Raleigh. She fell, and she's in the hospital down in Raleigh. And uh, But they did have her up walking yesterday. She's going to be transitioning sometime this week over uh, to stay with her daughter, Angel. But pray for Sister Peggy, if you would. And then I got a whole list of special requests that folks gave me tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to meet with us on this Wednesday night. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you thanking you for the opportunity that we have 
to be able to bring our prayer requests to you. You've told us plainly in your word, Lord, that we can take all of these burdens and lay them at the feet of the cross. So we do that tonight. Lord, thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for the good report we've received. Lord, from Sister Kim Ferguson and her hip replacement, we thank God for that answered prayer. And Lord, we're asking that you would do the same, uh, answering prayer on behalf of others that we've got facing upcoming surgeries. We think of Sister Gunner. Lord, uh, all the health battles that she's had for so many years, you've been so good to her. So Lord, we're praying already that you would use this situation to show your miraculous healing grace upon her one more time. And Lord, we've been praying for a while now for Chelsea. Lord, we're not going to give up on that until you come through. And Lord, that you have the kidney ready for her. And Lord, that you've got everything in order just the way that you've ordained it. We put this in your hands. Lord, I pray your, for your blessings upon our services tonight. Lord, as we open up the precious word of God, may you illuminate yourself and so that we grow in grace and knowledge and wisdom as we study and grow in your house tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to be in homes tonight via live stream. And for those who made their way out on this Wednesday night service here in our sanctuary, we say thank you. Lord, all good gifts come from you, so we thank you for all that you're doing, even in the midst of difficulties. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brother Ken, let's have a song to sing. Amen. Let's sing the windows of heaven tonight. We'll do it one time through. That's the windows of heaven. you can be seated folks that are going to sing tonight you come on and get ready this evening if you would let me give you just a couple of uh, 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 announcements tonight first of all it's good to have some back with us who'd been out we are glad you're with us tonight I appreciate so much you coming uh, thankful for the opportunity to be able to resume kids corner tonight so those of you who are watching this evening if you've got children or grandchildren make sure you let them go back and see that uh, program that happened at six o'clock and then I want to encourage you uh, to continue to be vigilant uh, as we do what we need to do to put this COVID mess behind. How many of you are like me and ready to be done with this? Amen. Amen. So uh, let's pray that we do what we need to do to make that happen. And then, of course, don't forget on Sunday, December the 13th, we'll have the drive-in shower for Nick and Lydia instead of licking Lydia. Amen. <clears throat> I, I'm still going to call them looking idiot because that sounds cooler. Amen. Uh, but to keep that in mind, if you would, y'all sing for us tonight.
tonight. That's awesome, guys. Philippians, please. Chapter number one tonight. Wonderful job. <laughs> Philippians, please. Chapter number one this evening. Perfect song. It goes along with the message tonight. Love it when the Lord does that. Only the Lord could do that, by the way. Philippians chapter number one tonight. I think most of you know that Paul is, of course, the writer of the, of the book that we call Philippians, a letter to the church of Philippi. It's my personal opinion that of all the churches that Paul started, the church at Philippi may well have been his favorite. They were certainly the church that was the best to him. They were the church that took great care of him financially. 
And when you read the Philippian book or the letter to the Philippians, you find that the theme is all about joy and Christian jubilation in the midst of difficult times. You kind of contrast that with Paul's writings to the Corinthian church. Every time I talk about Paul in the Corinthian church, I remind you that Corinth was the church that gave Paul a fit. That's the reason he has to address so many issues in those two books that we call 1st and 2nd Corinthians. But to the church of the Philippians, he doesn't have to address those kind of issues. He didn't have those problems at that church like he did at Corinth. And so really, the book of Philippians, uh, the letter to the church of Philippi, is all about Christian joy. I want to remind you, however, that when Paul is writing this, he's in a Roman prison. I want to stop there a second. Because so often when we talk about Christian joy, we think we are dealing with our external situation Listen to me carefully. Our externals don't determine our internals. Our external situation when we're Christians does not determine the degree to which we have eternal joy. Don't misunderstand me. Situations can make us unhappy. But nothing can rob us of the joy we have in Jesus Christ. Most scholars agree, I count myself among them, that Paul knew... While writing this, that his days were limited. Paul realized that his writing days, his preaching days, may well soon be coming to an end. And in so doing, not knowing how many more weeks, days, months, or years he may have had left, Paul says something to this this Philippian church that I think resonates with all of us tonight. Look, if you would, please, beginning at verse 22 of chapter 1. Paul writes, But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. Note verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two. That's an unusual phrase. If you write in your Bible, underline it. That's where we'll take our message tonight. For I am in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Having Confidence, having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus for me by my coming to you again. I'll take the message tonight from that phrase in verse 23, a straight Betwixt two. I've shared with you on many occasions that when I was a teenager, I can well remember in my bedroom reading through my Bible and 
praying, Lord, please don't come rapturous out of here until I get my driver's license. How many of you, I, I don't get it today. Kids today don't seem to want to have that driver's license. There was nothing I wanted more than a driver's license. And in fact, the first, I shared this with my wife. The first place I went when I got my driver's license was to go see my babysitter when I was three years old. Because you know I had to show her I had a driver's license. <laughs> Interestingly, as I fell in love with Renee, I can remember praying, Lord, please don't rapture us out of here until I get married. And then she was pregnant with James. And I can remember saying, Lord, please don't take us out of here until she has this baby. And then she had another one. And I said, Lord, come get us now. Amen. Amen. I remember a preacher said something to me. I actually wrote in the flyleaf of an old Bible not long after Lydia had been born. Of course, they were uh, uh, 22 months apart, both still in diapers at the same time. It was a challenging time. We had them two plus the two that we had taken in. So we had four kids in a little two-bedroom trailer, six of us. And I remember a preacher saying to me, Brother Greg, one of the lessons that you learn when you're a young parent is that the days are long, but the years are short. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I have to tell you that as a young parent, all I felt like was the days are long and the money is short. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now that I'm an old parent, the days aren't quite as long, but the money's still short. Amen. But I do think the preacher was right. The days are long, but the years go by quickly. And one of the things that I've realized is that as we age, we get to this point, and I don't know where the tipping point is, I don't know where the line is, but you get to this point where you have, you're closer to heaven than you are to earth. Where you've, where you've got more over on the other side than you have over on this side. That's the situation that Paul found himself in. While languishing in Rome's prison, he realized he was what we might say in today's vernacular between a rock and a hard place. I don't really like that phrase because what he says is I'm, I'm, I'm in a twixt between two. I'm in a straight betwixt two. I, I, I want to be there in heaven, but I know I'm still needed here on earth. Let me say to you folks, I hear senior saints as they age talk more and more about going home. I understand, I understand that as we begin to age in Christ and we, we, we bury loved ones and we've got more family on that side, that heaven becomes sweeter every single day. And eventually we get to the point where we think, man, I've got so much over there, but I'm still needed here on earth. I want to talk to you tonight about that thought, straight betwixt two. Straight betwixt two. Three things I want us to look at. Number one, Paul describes what is our common dilemma. Our common dilemma. 
Paul says in that first prepositional phrase of verse 23, For I am in a strait. I am in a strait. It's a phrase that we don't use much anymore. Let me, let me give you a couple of real-world examples of what it means to be in a strait. What it means to utilize the word choice that Paul used. That, that phrase, in a strait, would be used to describe a besieged city. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about, we preached about on Sunday morning, the, 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 the taking of Jericho. When Jericho is moments away from being destroyed, they were literally in a strait. It's a picture of a, of a city that's about to come under destruction with no aid in sight. It's also used to describe that phrase in a strait, a tight body of water. Between two points that forces a ship into a narrow channel. Last night... Renee and I were sitting down for a few moments. We didn't get home till late in the evening. She flipped on the television and the Smithsonian Channel happened to be on. So we watched that for a few minutes before we went to bed. And it was a fascinating documentary on the largest container ship in the world. And how that container ship would navigate itself uh, down very narrow passageways. And we watched uh, as this incredible container ship, uh, described as the equivalent of larger than four football fields, uh, would try to maneuver uh, and, and, and get down this very narrow channel. Uh, and at one point, uh, the, the commentator even described it as in a strait between two bodies of water. He talked about the fact that Sometimes when that ship is in that very narrow channel, currents can come or unexpected wind gusts can come. And because of the square footage, can unexpectedly knock that ship one way or the other. That phrase, in a strait, is also used to describe a cattle squeeze, interestingly. That brings each side closer and closer, forcing the animal to be stationary. While a farmer applies medication. Some of you are nodding your head. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So in describing his current situation, Paul uses that language. And I think what he says is, I'm in a strait because my body is here, but my heart is someplace else. Now, some of you probably have no idea where I'm going with this. But if you, if you live long enough, you begin to realize uh, that your body is here, uh, but your heart is pointing towards home. Some of you have had to bury loved ones, spouses, parents, family, friends, even heaven forbid children. Uh, and you recognize uh, that though you are still here, uh, there's a part of you that's home uh, and always pointing that direction, uh, thinking heavenward. That's exactly uh, what Paul is describing. I'm needed here, he says. But man, my heart's over on the other side. I don't know about you, but the older I get, Candle, I'm not old. I'm just 50. That's young. Say amen. But the older I get, the more I realize heaven sure does sound sweet. There are times for all of us when we feel trapped beyond our circumstances 
trapped in such a way that we cannot control and we just long to go home. That's what Paul is saying. Our common dilemma. Also in that same verse, verse 23, not only does he talk about our common dilemma, but he talks about our common desire. Our common desire. Notice what he says in verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two. Notice here. Having a desire to depart. Having a desire to depart. What's he talking about? What's he, what's he asking for? What's he longing for? Let me tell you, number one, Paul is longing for liberty. He's longing for liberty. Let me be clear. When Paul is talking about departing, he's not talking about going to another city to start another church. Paul's not talking about taking another vacation. He's not talking about a family trip. He's not talking about going to see the Thessalonians or the Galatians or the Ephesians. When Paul is talking about departing to be with Christ, you understand what he's saying is, I long to leave this world and be over on the other one. You see, that word depart has a simple English meaning for us. English can be a challenging language. You've heard me talk about this repeatedly. I won't say it again. But we use a word to often mean several different concepts. A great example is the word depart. Biblical times, the word depart had several meanings. The word that we use as depart could mean a whole host of things. It was a military term. I love this. When, when a soldier were taking down their tents, uh, that was described as a departure. In fact, um, turn, put your bookmarker there. Turn with me back to 2 Corinthians for just a second. Paul, Paul is a master of analogy. Paul is a master of wordsmithing. And he creates mental image pictures that help believers understand what he's talking about. This military term departure is beautifully elucidated in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse number 1. For we know, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, verse 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, and by the way, the word tabernacle just means tent. If the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's a very long illustration whereby Paul is simply saying, uh, for the child of God, when we close up our tent, uh, we are simply departing to the other side. You understand that for far too many folks, church, death is a scary word, not for the Christian. For the Christian, death is just folding up the tent and getting ready to strike up on the other side. It's a military term. It's also a sailor's term. 
That word depart means to loosen a ship and set sail. It's also a farmer's term. It's referred to, to taking the yoke off of oxen at the end of the working day. And it's also a political term. It was used to speak of setting prisoners free at liberty. A few days ago, I was listening to some old Southern Gospel. I, you know, I'm a Southern Gospel fan, and I was listening to old Gaither music and a beautiful song from yesteryear written uh, 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 by, oh, it's going to come to me in a minute, The Holy Hills of Heaven. Who wrote that? Dottie Rambo. Thank you, baby. I'll give you a $20 bill for dinner. Amen. Dottie Rambo. The Holy Hills of Heaven call me. And you get down to the chorus and it says, This house of clay is but a prison. Bars of bone hold my soul. But the house of clay is going to burst wide open when the hills of heaven call me home, I'm messing up the last friends, but you know what I mean. Reality is this, folks, and I want you to catch me on this. This is the critical point of the message, so get this. For the child of God, death is just a simple departure. And that's what Paul is trying to share with this Philippian church. He's trying to let this church that he loves so dearly remind them that they're simply like a ship setting loose, like oxen taking off the yoke at the end of the day, or like prisoners being set free. Death is no big deal for the Christian. We long for liberty. But again, looking at that same verse, verse 23 of Philippians, Notice what he says, chapter 1, verse 23. I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart. And note the next clause. And to be with Christ, which is far better. Amen. He says he's longing for liberty. But he's also longing for the Lord. Amen. Paul sums up his desire to depart by simply saying... I want to be with Christ. I want to be with Christ. Now, I don't need to remind anybody in here tonight what all Paul had been through. Paul and his three missionary trips. I often joke and say when Paul checks into a new city, he doesn't go look at the Holiday Inn because he knows he's going to end up in prison. Paul would go look out for the prison because that's new where he knew that's where he'd be spending the night. Uh, Paul was beaten repeatedly. Uh, he talks about it himself, uh, how everywhere he went, he was seldom welcomed. Uh, he was not a popular preacher. Uh, we think today that Paul uh, achieved this international notoriety. Paul was not well loved among society. Paul had a difficult ministry. And as he's winding down the end of his life, he said, I just want to go home. Years ago, when I first answered the call to preach, my brother-in-law, Renee's brother, took me to the Sword of the Lord conference down in uh, uh, Gospelite. I had never been to the Sword of the Lord. I'd read it growing up, never been. And I heard a wonderful, wonderful preacher that I fell in love with, Dr. Clyde Barker, and he was preaching what would be one of his last messages. And he talked about how he had traveled all over the world and preached in thousands of churches and tens of thousands of messages. And he said that, that night, and I, it really resonated with me, that the older he's gotten, the more he wants to be in one of two places, church and home. 
And everybody looked around because his wife had recently passed. And he said, you all think I'm talking about my earthly home. I'm talking about that home. For all of us folks, we understand Paul's reality was that he longed to be with Christ. I don't want anybody in here to misunderstand me. Man, we have much to live for. Amen. We have much to live for. And I am not here tonight to bemoan our current fate. We've done plenty of that. It's a challenging time, difficult year. Uh, but God's still good even in the midst of a, uh, of a challenging year. I mean, my goodness, I love my wife. I love my family. I love my children. I love my church. I love, uh, love what I do. I'm very blessed. But would you hear me? I can't wait to see the king. You know, as much as I love my family, my family couldn't save me. As much as I want to see my mother, my mother couldn't save me. What I want to see is the one who died so that I can enjoy the life I have now. That's all Paul was saying. I think Paul realized that when he gets to heaven, it will be a place of praise. I always get amused at people who get disturbed when church gets happy. I don't think they're going to enjoy heaven. I don't, I don't think, you know, you know, when I was a kid growing up, and you'd go to restaurants, uh, the, they, before they ask you how many were in your party, they'd say, smoking or non-smoking? So you're not, some of you senior saints, you know what I'm talking about. Smoking or non-smoking? I don't think when we get to heaven, uh, we're going to be greeted and they're going to say, shouting or non-shouting? <laughs> I think it's going to be a place of praise and celebration and joy and excitement. Maybe it will be as, as, as the King of Kings steps up and serves us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Maybe it will be the moment where God wipes away the tears from our eyes. I know for me it will be the moment when Satan is bound and gone forever. Perhaps it will be the moment where we are reunited with those that have gone on. Whatever it is, I think Paul recognizes that there will be a day where the chains of today are gone and the joys of tomorrow are in front of us. Paul says he's longing for liberty, longing for the Lord. Number one tonight, our common dilemma. Number two, our common desire. And then number three, and I hope everybody will stay with me, our common debt. Verses 24, 25, and 26 are important. Because if you read 23 in isolation, you might think Paul's got a death wish. If you take it out of context, it sounds a little morbid. Sounds like Paul's saying, man, I wish God would just come get me out of here. I'm tired of this. That's not what he's saying at all. In fact, when you begin to read at verse 24, 25, and 26, what Paul is really saying is my heart is so torn. My heart is home, but my debt to God is here on earth. Look at what he says, verse 24. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Who's he talking to? The Philippian church. I, again, I, I don't want to put words in Paul's mouth, but Paul is talking about how much his heart is home, but he says, God's keeping me here for a purpose. 
God's keeping me here for a reason. And I think what Paul is saying is that as long as he's keeping me here, I want him to use me for his purpose. Paul knew that he was the conduit through which God was operating. He knew uh, that he was the, the pen that God was guiding to, to write letters that would be sent out to the churches uh, I don't think for a moment Paul began to understand the reach eternally that he would have. But he knew that God was operating through him to reach people. Listen to me, folks. The world, America, Henry County, our community needs our churches now more than ever. Don't, don't, don't buy into this lie that the church uh, is shut down or the church is powerless uh, or the church is not marching on. We look and feel different, uh, but God is still using the church uh, in ways that we will never imagine. Amen. The day before Thanksgiving. Went to the mailbox Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Got home from work. Uh, 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 excuse me, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Got home from work. Go to the mailbox. Pull out a card from a letter, and Cy was a letter written to Renee and me and to the church from someone who doesn't go here, doesn't live within two hours of here, has never attended here, who just wanted to let us know, us and the church know, how much she and her family have been blessed and benefited from our church services in 2020. Amen. Hear me tonight, folks. Uh, what Paul is saying is that, yes, I've got so much over there, but while God's keeping me here by His good grace, uh, I want Him to use me. It's my debt to Him. Let's read the last two verses, verse 25. Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance, and joy of faith. Boy, look at that crawls at the end. Joy of faith. While our hearts are being tugged homeward, there is the realization that the life we get to live here is joy unspeakable and full of glory. 2,000 years ago, Jesus told his disciples that there was a tremendous need for workers in the Father's harvest. Look folks. The need is even greater today. It's greater today. Than it ever was. And if there is one thing. That we can testify to in 2020. Is that though we look and feel different. God is still using the church. To bless this society. Verse 26. We're done. That your rejoicing. May be more abundant. In, Christ, in Jesus Christ, for me, by my coming to you again. Paul believed that he would soon be out of the prison and would see the Philippian church again. So what he is saying to them is that though my heart is tugging homeward, though I'm longing towards heaven, God has left me here, and there's a job for me to do. Would you listen to me, folks? I promise I'm done. For whomever God leaves, He has something for us to do. 
We're not left by accident. We're not left here by happenstance. There's a reason why God has allowed us to stay. And that reason will bring joy unspeakable. Here's what we know. God saved us to do a work for Him. We all have a job to do. Every saint of God owes a debt to God. And so while He leaves us here, let's fulfill that which He has us doing. I'll close tonight with reading verse the first clause of 23. You don't have to open again. Paul says, I'm in a strait betwixt two. In my mind, I see a tug of war with heaven pulling this way. And every so often, we tip that way. Every so often, we tip this direction. But then we're reminded that God's left us here for a reason. And so he pulls us back this direction. The work that he's called us to do pulls us here. And Paul says, I'm stuck. But while I'm here... I want God to use me. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for your attention tonight. I think at times Paul felt the weight of this debt. He knew he had a duty to God. And I submit to every one of us tonight. Wherever you are in your life. Whether you're 16, 40, or 75. God's got a debt for you and a job for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a few moments tonight. To open up this precious book of Philippians. Lord, many of us can relate to Paul. We understand what it feels like to feel torn. But that, that as he described, in a strait betwixt two. Being tugged this way and that way. Many of us understand what it's like to have more on the other side than we have on this side. Yet at the same time, God, you have given us a joyful life. And we owe a debt to you to serve you to the greatest of our ability. So Lord, as we begin to wrap up 2020, one of the most challenging years most of us can remember. Help us to be reminded of the fact that you have left us here to be a blessing to those around. May we not forget the reason that we are left here. The purpose that you've bestowed upon us. Lord, I pray tonight... As we walk out of here this evening, we do so with a simple spring in our step, knowing uh, that, that God has uh, got all of this under control, uh, and this is according to His divine plan. Thank you for this church, for how it continues to stand, and how you bless it even in challenging times. We love you, Lord. That's not a surprise. What is so amazing is how much you love us. Thank you for saving us and dying for us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday in our parking lot. Uh, Be safe as you're going home. God bless you tonight.